DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to welcome in the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. His weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, David James. How are you? I'm good. Good morning, Patrick Kinahan. What are you doing? Lock, 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 locking on heaven's door. That's what I'm doing. Oh, I like it. (laughs) I'm going to ask you the unanswerable question. And mm-hmm. I suspect that you could take so long with the answer that PK would never get to ask a question and we would be out of time. Oh, my gosh. That'd be awesome. <laughs> PK gets oh, paid wait, for doing I wasn't supposed to. I wasn't supposed to react that quickly. Sorry. Put your feet up, PK. Here we go. Okay. Ownership changes. We've all been sports fans a long time following multiple leagues, and we have seen franchises transformed for better and worse. We've seen down franchises stay down, and we've seen up franchises stay up through a sale. Really, anything can happen. What do you think is going to change with the Jazz with an ownership change? No idea. (laughs) Short answer, on to you, PK. (laughs) i got 100 questions, but do you want to elaborate, or do you want me to go on to my Um, question? I think there's a core value and essence that the Millers have implemented over 30 plus years that I think will hold true um, for, you know, for a lengthy period of time, if not forever. Um, I bet you, you know, we don't know intimately what those um, ownership changes were, but I mean, I'm just like, let's take Dallas when Cuban took over. That seems like that you know, was the new school owner taking over for the old school owner in a pretty dramatic fashion. And I don't know how that organization was run beforehand, but I'd bet there were some some core values that held for a long time. Now, Balmer taking over for Sterling's really a different circumstance, right? You've got to blow up the entire culture of what, what's been there and convince everybody it's, it's vastly different. You know, I, I think, and frankly, David was the one who kind of reminded me of this, so I don't want to take credit for it. Our thoughts on the Millers as an ownership group are Gail and her, you know, kind of almost, you know, it felt like hands off until there was a crisis and then this incredible settling hand that, that's, you know, gave us great comfort and leadership. Um, and Larry in his last stages, which was still, frankly, hands on, I mean, he was pretty intimately involved in the Matt Harpering and Andre Karolinko contracts and, and things of that nature. And he, you know, was still doing an hourly radio show. So it wasn't like he was quiet, but it felt as though he was letting everyone do their work. You know, you go back and listen to the stories of the nineties and, you know, Larry's even more intimately involved, right. And he's in the locker room and he's in the light warm up line. And he's, you know, he's handing, he's in the line of the starting lineup, giving out high fives and he's got his locker. And so I think, we have to remember that owners evolve and that, you know, it's really no different than taking a new job. It just happens to be really high profile. And so Ryan Smith in 2021 and Ryan Smith in 2041, and hopefully Ryan Smith in 2051 are probably all going to be a little different. Ryan and Ashley Smith, I should say. Yeah, I think from the fan perspective, you know, they just want to win. They want to win a title. They want to go as far as you possibly can because it's fun for them. And we all know that there's a great, attachment between the jazz and the fans and they're looking at it in the immediacy what can he do to help us get better and to help us win and to go advance more into the postseason so immediately you've got a clarkson and a go bear come up with contracts and there's always going to be something every year with that stuff how do you think it plays out in the immediacy 
Well, I mean, the New York Knicks and some others have proven that spending for the sake of spending doesn't do the job, right? The 76ers proved that last year in a pretty high-level dysfunctional flame-out. Um, the Celtics, frankly, proved that the year before. So, um, you know, I think you've got to make the right moves, and you've got to have an organizational structure that um, has people in it who you let do their jobs, and you can definitely be involved. I mean, let's be honest. If any of us bought a team for $1.6 billion, like I'm going to practice every day. <laughs> I'm going to every meeting. I'm involved in everything if I bought a team. Like, let's not kid us. Like, I got asked the other day, you know, like who the perfect owner is. And I, you know, I answered like, you know, maybe Peter Hull, but frankly, the Millers had the third best winning percentage in the time they owned the franchise. So maybe they deserve that credit um, as well. But, you know, this is a different game. The prices are different. The, the age of the owners are different. And um, so, you know, I think your chance, you know, is it in the immediacy? Like, are you just going to roll out the super max contract to Rudy Gobert? Because you have, sold your company for $8 billion? Well, that's not very smart. Like, it's the, you know, if the Supermax is the right deal to make, then it was the right deal to make with the Millers or with Ryan and Ashley Smith. And so I don't think it's the, the decision-making on these. And Jordan Clarkson is, you know, either the right decision or somebody instead of Jordan Clarkson is the right decision. But they, I don't think the, the, the answers to those questions change because of ownership change. And nor were the Millers cutting corners on us. Like, like you know, hey, the Millers didn't have NBA cash the way a lot of these owners do, right? The game's changed. Joe Sy and Steve Ballmer, and I mean, these are this is different. But and sure, Ryan Smith is, and you know, his Qualtrics success has led he and Ashley to have money that's closer to that. How how big a money do you have to be to be a big money owner? That's an interesting concept. Set everything we know about the globe aside and just look at the 30 owners. What's high end and low end? Accepting that on the surface, it's all high end money, right? But just in NBA circles, what is high end and low end money now? You know, honestly, and I'm not like saying this like as a joke, like I don't get it because when I try to think, I actually did this exercise today. So there's, there's an interesting thing going on in MLB and NBA right now. Each league has now, if the Steve Cohen deal with the Mets goes through, each league has a owner that is so dramatically richer than any other owner in the league. So, like, you know, Ballmer's net worth is like $25 billion, I think, and, like, the next guy on the list is like $10 billion. Like, that's not close. And, frankly, when we look at the net worth of somebody at $2 billion versus $1 billion, that's not close either. Right? Like, Let's never forget that, like, when we talk about these things, we're trying to figure it out. Like, two point one billion is that one is a hundred million. <laughs> mm. So, you know, you can look at the listings and like the Millers were, I think, like nineteenth on net worth at one point nine billion. But does that actually, you know, I don't like if the team was worth one point six, then you know, then the rest of the holdings, like, I don't know how they equate that one point nine. But, like, 1.9 is not close to 2.9. No. <laughs> a big difference financially, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, like, really, like, and, and so to, I don't know how to answer your question, DJ, because I don't know where that number is, that, like, it just doesn't matter anymore. And I also just don't know, 
you know, there's some number in there, right? Where if you're over two or you're over 1.5, I don't know that like luxury tax doesn't matter. But I, I think everyone, you know, my dad once reminded me, <clears throat> don't ever forget that the, the millionaire likes his 73rd million just as much as his first. I'm going to write that down so I never forget it. My dad never told me that, PK. Did your dad ever tell you that? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> it's probably true, though. That's a good point. I'm going to hold on to that. Uh, and I think the most the thing that's got me most excited is it's a local ownership. And I look back, and my since I moved to Salt Lake, McCarthy's owned the Tribune when I worked there, and then others owned it. And my most favorite time of working at the Tribune is when I knew Tom McCarthy, who owned the paper, big sports fan, interacted with him a lot. I felt like I felt a connection to Tom because it was his paper, but he was there, and I knew it mattered. So in turn, it mattered to me. And same thing in radio with Simmons, and then with the Millers. And now Ryan Smith, you know, it's, it's we're sort of going into obviously a little bit of unknown territory. But my guess is there'll be that big time connection. So again, from the fan standpoint, I think that this is the best case scenario if the Millers have to give up or want to sell the team, which obviously they do, is that it's a local guy. Respond to that. Oh, I mean, we should be going crazy with excitement on that. I mean, I lived it, right? I lived it. I lived it on the other. Everyone thinks I lived it when I was in Seattle when they sold it to Oklahoma City. But what I really lived was the person who had success in business in Seattle but didn't have any tie to Seattle on Howard Schultz. And he just quit on the city. He didn't give a crap. Right. He just quit. Like, we can talk about Oklahoma City carpetbagging in and not telling the truth for two years while they're stealing the franchise. But the only way that's possible is the fact that the guy who'd made millions with his coffee chain, and billions probably, and his coffee chains, yeah, just completely quitting on the city because he had no tie. He didn't grow up rooting for Gus Williams, Freddie Brown, Tom Brown, and Jack Sickman. He rooted for the Knicks. Don't forget Lonnie Shelton. Do not forget Lonnie Shelton. Um, <laughs> and J.J., John Johnson. Um, John's a small forward. That's right. Notoriously, like, crazy parent in high school games around Seattle, by the way. Um, So, like, that's the bit. To me, that's the real story, is that Ryan Smith is tied to, you know, whether it's Darren Williams when he was 35 or whether it was, you know, Carl. Carl Malone and John Stockton when he was younger. I don't know how old his he was when his dad took the job at BYU. Um, you know, he's that's been what he's, you know, that's his his deal. Th- that's different than just having success in a city uh and then buying the franchise cuz you happen to live there as your as your local toy just to go to games and it's even, you know, more so um than the guy who comes from out of state who tests the market to see what's going on. But, I mean, you know, you could have had the Las Vegas businessman buy the team who's going to just see if it works in Utah until he decides to move it to Vegas. So, no, we should be going absolutely crazily insane about the fact that we have a marketplace that now has fostered someone to have business success at a level where they can buy an NBA franchise. I actually think that there's a – you know, if you look at the history, we've all been here for a long time. If you look at the history of the city, I actually think it kind of parallels, and the state maybe, it parallels our ownership group. So, you know, if you go to 1978, it's an out-of-state money guy 
taking advantage of bringing his out-of-state money into Salt Lake and kind of testing to see if the market's got enough economic viability. The next owner is a self-made Utah business person as the economy kind of grows as Western Airlines now is a hub um, evolving into Delta and suddenly Salt Lake's changing and there's enough business that people can begin to make it themselves, but it's still kind of the blue collar, like start as a parts department guy, memorize everything, move it, get the boat dealership in Denver, bring it to Utah story. And now we have the modern version of Silicon Slopes and this emerging tech world and us moving, you know, you know, moving toward more of the advanced business and which leads to wealth begets wealth. And, you know, I think the next stage in our economy is very similar to what happened in Seattle when I was there, which was all the Microsoft millionaires left Microsoft to go build their own little companies. And you had this just incredible tech explosion. Well, I feel like that's what's about to happen here with all the Qualtrics millionaires. Well, you know, leaving Qualtrics or going on their own to build their next company because they have enough money and you now have this amazing explosion and plural site fits into this and and you know domo and the others and we have this explosion ryan smith is the first you know the biggest and you know biggest software deal ever in the history of the market so i think that it's it's kind of an evolution to where we are it's a statement that as a state and as a as a metroplex that we've reached a point where we can actually have someone with enough wealth to buy an nba team Going to be enough wealth then to bring in another elite pro sports team? And what sport would it be? Or I'm overreaching. Hmm. I don't know. That's a great question. Um, baseball, yeah, Ray. Pro, pro, baseball. I, I think the first question to you is wealth, I think, is yes. And I think the 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 manageable one is hockey. But it's competing at the exact same time as the, as as the NBA. But the, the, the issue is, the issue is not what I think we're talking about of whether another pro sports team can come in. It's not whether or not we have the fan base. I think we have the population. That's clear. You know, we're, there's multiple uh, markets with less people that have professional sports teams and multiple. And it's not necessarily the individual owner with enough wealth. I think we'll have that. It's the multitude of businesses to sponsor. Right now, there are not enough corporate sponsors to support another team. And frankly, when you walk in and look at the Utah Jazz building, you know, the Jazz are 20 sponsorships at level X that build up what this franchise is. You walk into San Francisco, it's four franchises at 10X that is making their sponsorship dollars. And you've got to have enough industry and economy and mass that that those four X's are driving the game instead of 25 or 30 sponsorships a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the essence of it, that you have to have that in order to have the other stuff, right? Right. You can piece it. The Jazz have done an unbelievable job. If you look at the metrics of like market size versus revenue in this, and maybe the sale price shows that, you know, the sales team of the Jazz over the years has done just remarkable work to be able to piece together, you know, the credit unions and everyone else. You know, I can run our sponsors. I know them all pretty well, right? I do say them every night. Um, whereas, 
you know, to really have multiple sports franchises. Chase Bank needs to be funding one of the major sponsorships. Well, so, you know, some other national company. We don't have massive national sponsorships in this market. And I don't think we're getting Anheuser-Busch anytime soon. <laughs> you know, the other, the other hitch, in, the other hitch in the, uh, and that only no. if refrigerated, <laughs> the, the other hitch in all of that is who's going to pay for the stadiums because in some stadiums, and we just saw the, uh, the world series, right. And they played in a stadium built right next to a stadium. And the old stadium is 20 years old. It's only old. The economic model is old, but the steel and the concrete and the plastic, <laughs> that should have lasted another 40 years. Right. Uh, right. So the, I mean, Atlanta, the whole, Atlanta's the Atlanta, one, right? too. Yeah, Atlanta and Dallas have both done it. Just just building new stadiums left and right. And I don't know who wants to build an arena or a stadium. There, there's no momentum uh, for the citizens to pay for it with their taxes. Uh, whereas in other cities, that just happens at the drop of a hat, apparently. Well, I mean, the question would be, is it a Utah County-based team that has enough space? That's like what happened in Atlanta, right? The, they moved out of the city and mm-hmm. into one of their suburbs. I don't know. I'm just making this up. I've not thought about this. Um, Dallas, is too. There enough, that, right. So is there enough space where, you know, somebody builds, whether it's the new hockey arena, new baseball stadium, or new football stadium, down in Utah County in a manner that um, – Allow you know allows that to become even a bigger deal, and they think it's worth it. I mean, there is does seem as though there's house sprawl everywhere, so no space is left. I mean, I went biking the other day and went over the backside of Corner Canyon, and out of I was at General RV and went up over the top, and I had no idea there were all those houses back there in that back cove. Like those are incredible. Those houses and the views are amazing, but I didn't even know it existed. I mean, there's just houses everywhere out there. You went over, uh, so from, from Draper, you went up kind of Corner Canyon and looked down into Utah County, and yeah, we're, I went over, we're blown so I away biked, by the Highland Alpine area. Yeah, so I biked up over the top into, I think I, I ended up at like in Lehigh, yeah. right? So I went from Draper to Lehigh over the mountain yeah. instead of going around the point of the mountain. All the best high school football teams were right in front of your eyes there, right there. There was a lot of money and a lot of people and a lot of kids, and that's why the top four teams in the playoffs right now are all from that area you were looking at. Well, Corner Canyon, the one you went by, and then over the mountain into the you know, Lone Peak and American Fork and Sky Ridge, they're all, they're all very good. Yeah. All right, well. And well, Lehigh made the semis last year, right? Lehigh has had good teams. If you go further south, Pleasant Grove's got good teams. That area is just loaded, and there's a lot of college recruits down there, too. BYU Alpine, PK christened it, one of his better nicknames. I like it. Thank you, David. We'll leave it there. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Okay, see you.